Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Ugh, we're recording this Rachel book to celebrate my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, was this, like, the shortest book Ever, yeah. Because it felt like the shortest book ever. It was, like, 129 pages, and they're normally, like, 140 Okay. Yeah. I have, like, not very many notes, if I'm honest. I, uh, these are the shortest notes I've written in a while. Not ever, but in a while. It did make it to six pages, but, like, only just. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. And while we're looking through stats, this author was... Uh, it was Elise Smith. Have we had them before? I don't believe we've had them before. I'm looking up right now to see if perhaps we see them again. But dear God, I hope not if I'm being a jackass. (laughs) Because boy, howdy, was it not very good. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) <laughs> We've had Elise Donner before, not Elise Smith. Okay. Uh, and Elise Donner, we enjoyed. She did number 30, The Reunion, which was a Marco book. Um, it They don't have Wikipedia profiles, so like I can't look them up. And I've tried to look up ones before that didn't have profiles. Like I tried to look up uh, Jeffrey once, Zelke. Um, Jeffrey! Yeah redeemed himself from yeah. the ashes like a yeah. Chilean miner, Jeffrey Zelke. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and all I could find were books about trucks, like kids' books about trucks. Books about trucks. They're like, this is a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> Elise Smith. She did it. Did a she book. did this book. 70% of the book is them destroying things. And then the actual mm-hmm. rest of the plot was just kind of like an afterthought almost. Yeah. And like, I didn't think her character was in character at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I it, I didn't think any of them were in character at all. Uh-huh. So. Okay. And like, I, the first couple chapters, I, like, we'll get into this more when we're reading it. But like, yeah. there's a couple chapters where they're like getting into scenarios where I'm like, I'm sorry, did we all just decide that we were going to, like, just fuck off, like, and give up on what our characters would normally be like just to move this plot forward quickly? Like, (laughs) the other thing is, um, I think I mentioned last time that this was one of two Animorphs books that I owned. Yeah. Um, and I did not remember any of this book. 
No? Just nothing. One line, I think I remembered. It was the Curious George is mean line. But everything else, I was just like, nope. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you if if you did remember if you had read this book before or not. Not a thing. Not a clue. Okay. It's not a memorable book anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it really wasn't. Well, even I was like, when I was rereading this, I totally forgot about the whole ending. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one. It ends when they when they break into the community center. And I, like, I got to that point, and I'm like, oh, there's, like, 30 pages left. What the fuck else happens in this book? And then it's like, the ending is pretty epic. Like, you'd think I'd remember it, but it also, like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, like, give a sense of space. It doesn't, like, build anything. So, like... When you're going through it, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a really kind of cool, epic ending. But at the same time, it's like, I can't picture any of what's happening because you have not, like, world built for me at all. Yeah. Uh. So anyways, it was upsetting. I was confused. (laughs) I'm confused. (laughs) I hate this. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I, I will say... For whatever, like, as much as the beginning three quarters of this book was kind of, like, fun, but not, like, great, the ending was very fast-paced, and I did kind of enjoy the last couple chapters, because I moved through it, like, really quickly, so. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the only part of the book that I actually really, like, I liked the shenanigans part, Mm -hmm. but it just went on and on. Yeah, it did. And so much, like, unnecessary details. Like, I was writing notes, and it was, like, trying to be, like, here's where they went. And I was, like, okay, do I add these details? Because they put those details in there, but it's not, it doesn't do anything for the plot at all. Like, ugh. All right. We should probably just get into it. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. (laughs) (sighs) God. Um, so this book opens with Rachel talking about how there's many Rachels in the world and most of them are normal and average and sometimes she wishes she were normal and average, but she's not. And then she like throws a lot of unnecessary shade at Rachel from Friends for having stringy, greasy hair in the new season of Friends. <laughs> Which I was like, I've seen those episodes and I don't ever really remember her having greasy hair. Maybe I missed it. Who knows? Um, She talks about other Rachels at her school and how they all suck. Uh, That's pretty much what she says. (laughs) She's like, they're all whiny and gross and I hate them. So, yeah. Um, Sometimes she wishes she had never stumbled on Elfangor's downed ship or had never been given the power to morph. Not a lot of the time, but every once in a while when she's tired and hurt, she wishes she were normal. These thoughts are interrupted by Axe telling her he would like to express an idea that he thinks would deeply annoy her. And he's like, we should wait for Jake, who is out of town, to do this plan. We're literally just, like, in Rachel's head. She's monologuing to herself. And then we're dropped into, like, oh, yeah, the rest of the team is here. And then Jake's out of town. So he's gone. Whatever. Yeah. Um, he has a yeah. lot of relative shit to take care of. He does. He is... <sighs> The, the further he moves up in this Animorphs company, the more he has to travel. <laughs> Honestly, like, that was 
kind of the first of many cases in this book where I feel like the author just kind of, not to blame the author, sorry, um, but the author just kind of took existing things that had happened in previous books and just compiled them all into one book. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't really add anything new. They were just recycling old shit, you know? That's exactly what it felt like. And when they weren't doing that, it felt like they were taking notes from Applegate and, like, adding three words to the sentence to make mm-hmm. it their own. Like, yeah. It felt like somebody totally cheated on the assignment, basically. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's no disparaging of this book. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's just not great. Um, so they're like, uh, the rest of the team is all like, let's wait for Jake, who's out of town. And we never get any details other than like, luckily Tom didn't have to go this time. So all good there. Like, okay, thanks, I guess. Yeah. And throw back uh, um, to, to Jake's book where Tom was trying to kill his dad. Yeah, pretty much. And that like, was... that's it. Yeah, that was, there were a lot of, Oh, remember this book when the characters did this in this book? Like <laughs> I the... will explain nothing else because it already happened. Just that yeah. scenario. Like, there were just, <laughs> you know, occasionally in previous books they would mention something that happened in a previous book. But this book, there were at least three instances. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Um, and it, th- like, this part, okay, so here's the other thing very much felt like that in this part is like they're having that whole argument jake's out of town blah blah blah. rachel is like no we need to do it now and everyone except axe agrees with rachel and then axe like at first he's like oh i should wait for prince jake i follow prince jake blah 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 and then rachel's like well everybody else is gonna be doing it and axe is like oh well okay i'm in oh like if everyone else is like it was very much not yeah like I feel like Axe would have been like, Jake is my prince. It is my duty to contact him and let him know what's happening. Not like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and, like, this is the whole plan forming thing. This is still chapter one. And chapter one is only, like, probably less than ten pages. And all of this is happening and, like, now we find out that um, Tobias has discovered the new feeding grounds of Visor 3. He stumbled on it by accident. They have a chance to attack. Cassie's like, "We the zoo just got some cheetahs for a breeding program. And they're like, great, we have a plan. And, like, that's it. And then we don't go to the zoo. We don't get the cheetah thing. We don't get anything else. It's all of a sudden the kids are flying out to the meadow. This is chapter 2 where Visor 3 feeds, they land, and we spend the rest of chapter 2 going over the morph sequence to cheetah. Which and I that hated. is all of chapter two. I hated it's so it. So stupid. I hate. I felt like I was reading the Wikipedia article on cheetahs. Yeah. And Pretty like, much. Okay. So here's the thing. It wasn't that bad if Cassie had been doing it. If Cassie had been like, "Oh, cheetahs are this. You know, they had they can't retract their claws. Like they have mm-hmm. huge lungs and blah blah blah." If Ca- if Cassie had been narrating this, I would have bought it. But the fact that it's Rachel, I I don't. I don't see that happening. Or, like, even... I I wouldn't have necessarily bought it, but if she had said any of that with any interest in the actual animal instead of just, like, bullet point, line by line, here are cheetah facts, like... Yeah. It was just written so boring. 
Yeah. Like, it was so boring. Yeah. <sighs> or even if Cassie had been, like, talking about this as they're morphing. Like, this is why they're a good morph, because of X, Y, Z. Like, yeah. there's so many ways to do this that would have been better. Or, God forbid, added a chapter where they go to the gardens and learn about cheetahs and acquire them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they go with Cassie's mom because she's sneaking them in early so that they can see the cheetahs because they told her that they had, like, a school project and it's a whole thing and Cassie's mom is giving them facts about cheetahs. Yeah. And they're, ke- they're like, making fun of her because they're just there to acquire them. And, like, there's a whole thing that could have happened. Yeah. Like, ugh. and it didn't. Nothing happened. This was it. This was chapter two. Like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just had such a, like, by chapter two, I was literally like, I just want to put this down right now. Like, I don't want to continue. There's nothing that's like bringing me. And like, it does get better. Okay. It really does. Like past the first five chapters, then it kind of starts to flow. It's pretty cool there's some stuff to keep you invested but like reading chapter one and two it's like who wrote this did did anyone write this did you just throw words on a page and like (laughs) hope it worked out what happened wow oh Oh my god i swear to god it will this podcast will get better from here (laughs) (laughs) uh because this is all hunky-dory and there's nothing going on that could possibly go wrong with this plan. The door to the ship opens and Visor 3 just steps off the ramp into the meadow because, God forbid, something goes awry in this weird-ass fucking plan. Um, and this is where Rachel decides she's going to start calling the shots. And people are kind of a little miffed at first, but, you know, whatever. Then she says now and they charge in at the visor and a relatively quick fight ensues. They they take him by surprise. They kind of knock him down to his knees a few times. Tobias is calling out his aerial support thing. Some Horkbizer rush in. They're like, oh, there's four of them. And Rachel's like, we we are winning against the visor. We have to just take the chance fighting the Horkbizer too. So they agree with her. They're fighting the Horkbizer, fighting Visor 3. It's it's so dumb. Like, there's no reason. I, I get the speed factor. I really do. But, like, two of them as Cheetah. Right. And then other things as... with more firepower. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I said. Mm-hmm. No reason for all, how many, four of them and then Tobias is there. So, no reason for them to all be Cheetahs yeah. at all. Yeah. Um... Not that it fucking matters, because a second later, they are getting sliced up by the hork because cheetahs, of course, just don't have that much stamina, so they're all exhausted after, like, the first two runs. Um, Rachel takes a pretty good gash to the head, and then tries to, like, call out, like, okay, one more run, we almost have them, when she hears a whooshing noise, and then is knocked to the ground. Then she hears more whooshing noises, and sees that all of the kids are being knocked off their feet faster than they can see what's happening. They are quickly herded by whatever this thing is that keeps knocking them over into a cluster of trembling cats. And then the thing, like, darts away from them and appears at Visor 3's side in the blink of an eye. <coughs> um, they see some crazy tall lanky creature with four limbs and this pigeon chest and a long tail that flicks all over the place and its head is shaped like a speed biker's helmet and then it's covered in blue fur with no mouth. And they're like, oh, it looks kind of similar to Andalites in a superficial way. And 
Axe doesn't like this comparison, so he's like, no, this is not like me at all. <laughs> uh, the kids bolt into the woods because they see their opening and they're like, we gotta run, let's take the chance. And they let the kids go. They run to relative safety, they demorph, they remorph into birds, and while they're doing that, uh, Visor 3 and this guy are speaking in open thought speak, loudly and annoyingly. Because they're stupid! They're so fucking dumb. Like... <sighs> Also, what a plot device. Just like, oh, here they're going to have a conversation where they explain to us their entire relationship. Yeah. So. Yay. Uh, basically, Visitor 3 is just, like, berating this guy for letting them get away. And then Visitor 3 tries to, like, throw it in his face. Like, this, like, I, I don't even know. Like, it, it's literally like, oh, you couldn't catch the Andalite bandits either. Like, you know, now you know how difficult it is. And blah 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 and calls him inspector and then he's like i'm not the inspector call me counselor like 13 or whatever because he's going to become a member of the council of 13 and visitor 3 is like i'll call you that when you were in that ranking and so on and so forth and then we find out that this guy is just here to like observe visitor 3 and make notes on why he's so shitty as a visitor (laughs) (laughs) um and then the kids morph to bird and fly away as quickly as they can, leaving one at a time per Rachel's instructions. But Rachel ends up leaving last with Tobias, who waited for her. And this is the last nice thing that happens between Rachel and Tobias in this entire book. Oh my god, it's so true, though. Yeah. Ugh. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It, Like, this is the first instance where... Rachel talks about Tobias, but doesn't call him her boyfriend. Like, she did mm-hmm. it in her intro, and I was like, he's your boyfriend. Why aren't you saying he's your boyfriend? Yeah, she's like, oh, I just like him. And then there's, like, this very weird scene coming up that, like, she doesn't even... She says she likes him, and then goes into this really weird, like, one-liner. She's like, I like him in the way that... I've always liked him and it seems almost inevitable. Like you've liked them even though you've never met them or something like that. Like it was the weirdest fucking line. Yeah. God. And she doesn't act like it ever. No, she doesn't. I got so mad. And this isn't mad. Like I'm not mad from a perspective of like, I ship those two and I don't like it when they fight. It's literally like, there's no reason for her to be this shitty to him, especially because there's nothing... Like, right now, they're establishing that their relationship is fine. Like, they're not fighting. There's nothing that has happened since last we visited Rachel or Tobias and everything was fine. It's just all of a sudden, Rachel just kind of goes into this super weird dialogue about being a leader and then decides to treat Tobias like shit because she's a leader. Ugh. Like, that's it. That's all that happens. There's there's no need for them to be like this. Hate it. And she's not shitty with Cassie. She's the same level of shitty with Marco. She's kind of the same level of shitty with Axe. But then, for whatever reason, she just flips on Tobias. Yeah. I don't get it. Oh. There's no there's no need. There's no need. There's none. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, oh, uh, whatever. Um, there's a lot of talking that happens from here on. There's so much talking in this book and so much of it's unnecessary. (laughs) 
So, like, now the kids meet in the barn. They go over what they know about what was just said, which is basically like, oh, no, the Garatron guy's a counselor, meaning he's running to be on the Council of Thirteen. Like, everything we just heard them say. <laughs> yes. They just recap. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. my God. The whole point of this is Rachel's like, there's an opportunity here. We can attack all over the town and do these like really high profile in and out attacks, make it look like there's this huge Andalite force here, much larger than what it actually is. Make it look like Visitor 3 is super incompetent. And then there's a bunch of infighting. And like Tobias is like, better the enemy you know than the enemy you don't know. Basically, like, let's not do anything. And Cassie's like, we got it. We should wait for Jake. And Marco's like, yeah, we should like give it a few days. Wait for Jake to get back. Axe is like, yeah, I want to follow Prince Jake, blah, blah, blah. And like they're infighting until Cassie goes, we just can't seem to get anything done without a leader here. So then they're like, let's take a vote. And then it turns into like, Axe, are you going to vote? No, this is a human affair, which was very weird. And like, it didn't yeah. sound like Axe at all when he said this. Yeah. This isn't a so, human affair. This is an Animorphs affair. And you're a member of that. And what the fuck? Right. And your prince isn't there. So you sh- you can't just default into, I will do whatever Prince Jake says. Right. Like, he just kind of was like, this is human affair. I won't do that. And then Marco's like, oh, well, if, if it's just Tobias and Cassie and I, you know, it's her boyfriend and her best friend. So I'm going to lose. So good job, Rachel. You won. And, like, there's no communication on what the actual vote is and the very next chapter i'm just gonna go ahead and skip through it because it's relevant like marco just bows to rachel's like your wish is my command your highness we cut to the next scene which is rachel tossing and turning thinking about being a leader and the weight of responsibility but then she like gets into this really weird like i am a warrior i am a queen blah 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 narrative um tobias taps on her window she lets him in she's asking him like what took you so long and tobias starts telling her this really adorable fucking story about how axe had a cooking show on with one of his favorite desserts and rachel just cuts him right off to be like hey do you think i'm doing the right thing do you think fast strikes are the way to go would you have voted for me and tobias is like really dodgy this whole time like he doesn't really answer her on like is this the right plan he kind of says like well stealth will do us no good right now so yeah that plan does make sense and then she's like should i be the leader and this is exactly what she was just thinking a second before jake was saying not to do like don't show doubt don't show fear to the team you have to be the leader which means even though you feel it you can't always outwardly show it you have to like be a pillar of strength and instead the first thing she does after having all of these thoughts is like tobias am i am i a good leader and tobias doesn't say shit and then she's like would you have voted for me do you think cassie would have voted for me and he doesn't say anything like they would not have voted for her probably is my guess no because otherwise he would have said yeah I, i was gonna vote for you and wouldn't feel any blame. Instead, he's quiet. So Marco would have been the leader. And they don't have faith in her. But instead, for some dumb fucking reason, everybody just goes along with this plan. They're all like, well, Rachel, by a default, not vote, did win. So I guess we're stuck with her. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm so mad. Also, I feel like Jake knew he was going to be away for a couple days. He should have set some sort of contingency plan. He doesn't even leave the barn without being, like, so-and-so's in charge here. Yeah. Like, 
It makes no yeah. sense that, that this suddenly became a thing. Yeah, unless he specifically said, do not do anything while I'm gone, in which case they've already thrown that out the window. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is three layers of dumb here. Because, like, the first <laughs> one is, like, Jake would have given a leader. Also, they would they would not have voted for her. Also, when Marco just throws his hands up and says, I'm not doing this because your boyfriend and best friend will obviously vote against me, and Tobias feels differently, like he doesn't think he would have voted for her, why wouldn't he have spoken up? Yeah. Or why wouldn't he have back-channeled Cassie? And, like, they could have, like, you know, Cassie could have been like, sorry, we're going to go have a conversation. We actually do want to vote on this because Tobias can talk to her privately Without anybody hearing in the same room. So, like, what the hell happened? Yeah. <sighs> so mad. I'm so <laughs> mad about this. Is this is this the scene where she talks about Oedipus and hubris? Oh, yeah. Sorry. That was a start. That I just, yeah. What the fuck are these kids reading Oedipus in middle school? That's ballsy, man. <laughs> Oedipus is at least high school material. Yeah, I also like that she doesn't just call him Oedipus. She specifies Oedipus Rex. Yeah, I I have no idea. It's the whole chapter start is about hubris. Yeah. And, like, yeah. And Oedipus Rex learns about hubris. And it's like, yeah, one, you would not be reading that. And two, why... How did you spiral from hubris and i hope that like i know enough to avoid this pitfall spiraling into i am a warrior i am a queen i i can lead the people like what the fuck happened i'm a god warrior (laughs) (laughs) oh my god not the first book we've brought that up i know (laughs) yeah she has her i am a god warrior moment as well It's, it's like reading a spiral into a manic episode. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that made me feel like Rachel was more unhinged than reading this start in this book. Yeah. (sighs) God, I'm so stressed out right now. Oh, no. This is really, this is really stressful. Oh, no. It's just not good. Like, it's just. There's nothing about this that was good. And, like, it's so insane. And also, like, ignoring all of the dialogues and all the interactions that have in this scene, this goes from Rachel is trying to be dead asleep. Like, she's tossing and turning and thinking, like, what can I do to sleep? To Tobias is tapping on her window. To she expected him there and has her morph suit on under her pajamas and is like, we have to go before the news cycle. Why... Why were you trying to sleep if you knew you had to just get up? Like, why wouldn't yeah. you just be like, "I we know we're going, so I got up and waited for Tobias to tap on the window. Like, nothing about this scene makes any sense at all. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> start to finish, do not like it. Uh, oh, my it God. Better, right? It does. This next chapter is actually where it starts to get better. Like... That was kind of the... Okay, so it bleeds over a little bit. So here's what happens in the next scene. The team meets outside of the news studio, and Rachel's like, everybody, battle morphs. 
And everybody pushes back against her. They're like, no, no, no. We should scout it out first. We should see who's in there. We should see where we're going, blah, blah, blah. And Rachel's like, I'm the leader. I say battle morphs. She is so fucking bitchy in this book for no reason. Yeah. And (sighs) she's not like, you know, in previous Rachel books, she's sometimes I expect her to act one way. I expect her to act like very defensively. But she hasn't. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she's obviously, like, shown growth as a character. Like, when she's in the wrong, she's much more open to admitting it. But yeah. it just completely, like, backtracked in this book. Like, yeah, everyone is telling her that's a bad idea, but she's still just doubling down on it and saying, fuck you, I'm the leader. Like, Right. And, ugh. like, so here's the other thing. And, uh, of course, I, I adore Rachel, so I'm always going to give her the benefit of the doubt. But, like... She's not dumb. She's never been dumb. No. And she's never completely dismissed, other than, like, the Starfish book, because she was, like, either too nice to me or whatever. She never dismisses everybody out of hand. Like, she still takes suggestions. She still listens to them. And even if she listens, she'll say, no, we're not going to do that. Let's do it my way because we have to just do the the harsh, crazy thing. And there's always a reason for it. It's never, like... I said so. I'm the leader. This is what we're going to do. And it doesn't make any sense. And she's been put in a position to lead before. So this isn't, like, brand new. Yeah, Jake's gone, so she doesn't have, like, someone to answer to. But I just don't understand why it so immediately went to her head and made her... Like, this is... If this were a movie and we were looking at a general in a war, this would be... The two hours into the movie where we've watched this person spiral out of control and we've seen how they have either gotten some sort of a complex or they've made so many calls that they just will not accept somebody questioning them because of some traumatic incident that happened to them. She went from that point to this insanity point in no time flat and with nothing happening to her, with no reason for her to be like this. Yeah. And I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Ugh. Okay. I will continue on and try not to completely harp on that point repeatedly, even though I'm sure I will. I'll try not to. Um, so, yeah. She's basically like, nope, we're not going to scout it out. Just go to Battlemorphs. This, this is what we got to do. So, they kind of begrudgingly go there and they crash into the studio. They leave a trail of destruction in their wake as they run through the hallways, like knocking over Xerox machines and people and whatever else. <laughs> they run through the halls, they crash into the actual recording space and start just trashing the studio. Like, they, one of the hosts is a controller. There is some, like, also, I guess they're going after controllers. They don't outwardly state that until we're kind of in these missions. Yeah is another weird point like it's kind of like oh we think at first they're just trashing a tv studio for no reason but it turns out like yeah one of the hosts of the show is a controller and she almost slips up and calls them andalites but then she's like and uh animals and uh saves herself they upturn desks they corral people into corners they tear out chairs that are bolted down there's a tour group that comes in at some point with a bunch of kids and innocent bystanders and at this point Tobias is like, okay, let's get out of here. And Rachel shuts him down. She's like, no, we're staying. We got more shit to destroy. So she keeps going. The guide of the tour group faints. 
Um, finally, what happens is Axe gets kind of hemmed into this back area by a guy with a gun, and he's like, I don't want to get shot, and I don't want to kill this guy. So Rachel's like, all right, you know, Cassie, whoever, go go get Axe out of whatever room he's stuck in, and, like, we'll get out of here. I think we've done enough at this point. And this is a few minutes after the tour group has come in. Rachel's like, okay, one more thing. So Marco goes over, grabs his controller news anchor lady. Rachel then, like, also grabs her from Marco, I don't know, squeezes her, and, like, says, here's a message for Visitor 3. Go home, Yerks. And, like, this is her, I guess, masterstroke to her plan is she's going to keep leaving these threatening messages with the controllers. So, um, I don't understand the axe getting stuck in the room thing. I don't either. I'm like, why didn't you just, like, chop the gun out of his hand and then knock him out? Like, every other fucking time. Yeah. I don't want to hurt him. Well, fucking knock him out! You just did it! To someone else! I have no clue. I have no clue why this happened. He did quote Teletubbies, though, which I absolutely adored. That's true. He did innocently and adorably quote Teletubbies, and then Tobias said, that's it, we can't leave your TV on anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) There was a lot of Teletubbies humor in this book, actually. Yes. Because there's, like, one of the other missions they go on was to a bookstore with toys, and Marco asked that somebody grab him a Teletubbies doll. Now I'll mock him for that, too. Yeah, the team at least has some funny dialogue throughout yes, this. But... Yes, So the team's like, all right, I guess Axe getting stuck in this room is enough of a reason to leave. So they're like, they get away from the building. They're really giddy about this mission. Like, yeah, we had the successful mission. We got in and out, blah, blah, blah. And then Cassie, who like was a second ago, like, yeah, we did it, was like, maybe we should have like scoped out the building, though, and like, made sure that, like, the tour group was okay. Like, because we didn't know about them. They could have gotten hurt, blah, blah, blah. And then Tobias just, like, throws in, yeah, by the way, there was an old man in that tour group that seemed to seemed to be really startled by us, and he keeled over. It kind of looked like a heart attack. And Rachel's like, there's always casualties in war. Get over it. Wow. Yeah, out of fucking nowhere to Tobias. Yeah. Why? Ow. Why, Rachel? Why? Uh. This is not my Rachel. (laughs) I mean, there are moments where she hits on some things that Rachel does, but then there are moments like this that are so out of character and so unnecessary and so egregious. Like, there's, there's no need for this. And to Tobias, why? Like, maybe to Marco. Maybe to Axe, even. Like, because maybe she's like, oh, Axe is questioning me and I'm blah, blah, blah. But, like, I don't think this can be explained away with, like, when I asked Tobias if he would vote for me, he said nothing, and it's really important to me that he supports me. Okay, but why would you attack him over that? Like, you guys had pretty decent communication before this. Why did it break down all of a sudden? I don't get I don't, I don't get it. (laughs) I just don't get it. (sighs) God. And the other thing is, like, Throughout this book, there's never really a somebody who's, like, a second supporter to her. Like, sometimes in Cassie books, we get that. Or even, like, the last Jake book we've read, like, the very last one, we said, like, oh, everybody on the team kind of communicated equally. There's no second player or third player in this book. Like, it's Rachel in Rachel's head doing Rachel's things. Yeah. Like, it's very weird in the way the dynamics are mm-hmm. anyways. 
Okay. <laughs> Calming down. Calming down. <laughs> oh, I like so, this. I like this rage. This, because <laughs> it's consistent throughout this whole book. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to bring it in, <laughs> but it's consistent. And like, I I can really appreciate some rage. You know me. I don't shy away from the rage that Rachel has, but this is just stupid. <laughs> okay. Next up. These kids are going to trash a bookstore, which does lead to some very good dialogue in there. Yes. I will admit. Yes. So, um, Tobias starts by saying, no hurting the civilians. And Rachel just shuts him down. Like, don't fucking talk to me like this. And Marco's like, wow, Rachel, looks like someone needs to go to management school to learn how not to be a jerk. And Rachel, for whatever reason, backs down from Marco. Is like, I'm not going to argue with him. I'm not going to argue with anybody. I don't need to. <sighs> Then Rachel's like, five minutes, in and out. Axe, keep us honest. And there's this great line where Axe is like, I did not know we were going to be involved in a deception. (laughs) (laughs) My innocent boy. It was the only highlight in this scene. Oh, no, the bird. Let me grab. Okay, so. um, But they bust in there. They start knocking everything over, flipping tables, knocking over bookshelves. Cassie takes up this new tact of like, I'm going to chase people away so they don't get hurt. And Axe just goes and starts chopping up lattes for some reason. <laughs> the person who yelled, no, not my chai, is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. That was me as a person in that book. Not my chai. <laughs> not my chai. That's $4.99, you maniac. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. God, this is also where there's like comments throughout where Cassie starts saying like, it just feels wrong attacking a bookstore. This is like a church. Like, this, you, shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't mess up a bookstore. <laughs> Me too. I would be the most upset about this. <laughs> and then Marco runs into the children's section where he starts like destroying books for like young kids. And then like Cassie's like, no, not Blue's Clues. You can't. Don't, don't mess with blue. Blue is, like, sacred. And Marco's like, okay. And then uh, he's like, what about the young adult novels? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, there is that moment with the Curious George thing where the kid's like, oh, my God, it's Curious George. And Marco's like, I'm a gorilla, not a monkey. Get your shit straight. Maybe your mom could buy you an encyclopedia so you're not a stupid fucking idiot. <laughs> like the kid's like he's mean and then marco's like oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to be mean <laughs> oh my lord oh, also God. rachel freaking has enough morality to close the cash box oh yeah she's like we're not gonna fuck with money we're not thieves we just destroy we don't steal that was weird it was so weird and like uh, the, so another thing that they mentioned earlier that I totally skipped over, when Marco wants them to get, like, that Teletubbies toy, Marco makes a comment, like, when they're like, no, we're not doing that, he's like, well, I'll mail him money the next day. I'm not going to steal it. It's like, dude, not the point at all. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I feel like they're trying to harp on that same thing they came up with in the David book of, like, we don't steal, we don't. Yeah. Do this, that, or the other, but like it's it doesn't make any sense in this context. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> so yeah, 
I don't know. I do. I don't. I did like um, Cassie's and Marco's exchange about the the kids' books, and Cassie was like, "Why don't you go trash the computer magazines or something?" (laughs) I was like, "That's such a deep Applegate cut." It was. It was. Oh my god. Yeah, and then oh, there's there's another one too where there's a a really. harsh commentary on the books like the discount books that people put out that are like autobiographies of celebrities that were popular for like a minute or whatever yeah, yeah. like she's just throwing shade at <laughs> all the other people yeah. it's like don't fuck with the kids section everything else fair game yeah like, that shit was really good that was kind of like adding to the universe yeah it was Ugh. and it was like really funny and like you know it brought back that like feeling of from, like, the uh, book with um, Jake's book when they were breaking into the mansion for, like, the little kid. Uh-huh. It was more like that. Like, yeah, throw some shade at, like, fucking all this other shit, like computers and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But leave the books alone. They're still good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, so at, like, four minutes, Axe gives the warning, and Rachel grabs the manager that they ID'd as the Yerk earlier in the week, and gives him, like, this huge bear hug, squishing all the air out of his lungs, and then threatens him, like, the whole, go home, tell Visitor 3 I said go home. Uh, now they speed it up. Like, so the next chapters are kind of just these, like, little montages, Mm. um, and this is where, when we were talking about earlier, like, they throw in some details that just aren't necessary at all. Like, they make no sense. And, like, some of them I think it tried to be subversively funny, but it just, like, it was just dumb. It made no sense. So, the team is running through this town on a destructive spree. The first thing they hit is the salon, where Miss Chapman is the best customer and co-owner, and they destroy the salon. The best part of this was that when they walked in, the receptionist didn't even look up. She just, like, was popping gum, and she's like, do you have an appointment? And then when they didn't answer, she, like, looked up and then fainted onto the desk. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was good. Um, then they hit the sporting goods store where they shout out the yerk that was in Tobias's torture book when they were like, oh, that guy so-and-so owns this sporting goods store. He's back. They destroy his sporting goods store. It's called, Um, isn't it called, like, All That Sporting Goods or something? Yeah, it's something fucking dumb like that. It's like All That, like the show from the 90s. Like, she's all that. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It was something like that. Um, And, like, the most important details from here is the fact that Tobias is flying around to all of like the blow up boats and floaties that are displayed and just popping them with his talents which I thought was hilarious (laughs) Um, and then Cassie is chewing through a tennis racket going this better not be cat guts I'm like I don't know if they do that still Cassie Uh, I mean if it were a violin maybe but I don't I think I think rackets are Synthetic now. Yeah, they're they're mostly plastic, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure as well. I don't know. Uh so that's the sporting goods store. Then we cut to a bank. No idea why they broke into a fucking bank. But yeah, so they go to a bank where Rachel like tears apart safety deposit boxes for no reason. And Marco knocks out a guard. And this is where they try to do that like Haha, like, the guard saw us, and I don't know what happened. He decided to knock himself out with his own baton. Weird. And it's like, no, we know you fucking hit him. Like, what What are you doing? Um, 
Yeah. And this one, the bank owner, who's the controller, set, like starts to yell out, call the police department, ask for, and then he gets knocked out. And then Tobias is like, we got to bail early because they've obviously tripped the silent alarm here. So they do. That one, they finally do listen to Tobias and bail. Um, then they hit a cigar shop where they see Chapman. And it, this was a really fucking weird sequence. Like, why is Chapman in a cigar shop? They go in there, they're like, smoking's bad for your health, and then, like, knock him over. Tobias gets in a really good swipe at Chapman and cuts him. Then the shop owner pulls a gun from behind the counter, and Marco just grabs the gun away, because apparently now guns are no big deal, even though five fucking minutes ago they were a big deal. Um, And then Marco just punches the guy in the face. And then, like, Cassie knocks over the Native American statue into a case to prove a point. And it's like, wait, what? Like, what, what is all going on? Like, what are we to get from this chapter? Like, it, it, it was like, let's take our PSA book with Axe and the chimpanzees and let's just run it all in a three-sentence chapter right here. Go. Like, smoking is bad. Yeah. Joke. Guns are bad. Joke. Native American statue. Joke. Like, what is this? Yeah, again, it was just kind of like just taking things from other books and just jumbling them into a big mess putting it into a blender and hitting pulse and whatever comes out is what they poured into this fucking book (laughs) will it blend that is the question (laughs) will it blend animorphs edition don't breathe the answer is no (laughs) Uh, god yeah so i don't feel good about this uh, then Rachel delivers her message to Chapman, go home, no one likes you, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> your face is stupid. Your face is dumb, and now it's cut, and you should feel bad, and I want you to leave. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, God. Here's another fucking crazy moment. I heard you say, oh, God. Uh, the, the fucking judge next, right? Oh. No. Well, Yes. But there's two things we hit before we okay. hit the judge, okay, okay. which I actually forgot to write the judge in here. So thank you for reminding me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they continue to sweep across the town, destroying shit. Rachel goes on this tangent like, I am a mighty leader. How could I ever doubt myself? Every decision I make is perfect. Perfect. I'm doing the greatest job. Like, I am Zoom. What the fuck? It's, it's like that. And it also reminded me. Of what you were saying back in the Starfish book of, like, what teenage girl would ever have this kind of conversation? Like, this is yeah. mean Rachel who's like, I am the greatest. I am the best. Like, yeah. Uh, I was reading this and I was just hearing your voice in my head. Like, what girl would ever, like, what young kid would ever say this shit? Because hubris, I guess. Yeah, hubris. Now that we've read Oedipus Rex, we can say whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so before they get to the judge, they do two things. They hit a gym where Axe cuts off the trainer's shorts. <laughs> yeah, running around in their underwear, heart-shaped, like the heart print boxers. Ha, ha, ha. Then so they hit funny. a Kinko's with a kid that Rachel knew in high school that was kind of a badass, but then he became a yerk and he got turned into, like, a weird guy with a clip-on tie. That's all you need to know to know that he's a douche. And Rachel grabbed this kid, photocopied his butt, and sent it to his boss, and then pinned a copy to the message board in the Kinko's. <laughs> yeah. 
That's the correct reaction. <laughs> butts are funny. <laughs> butts. And like this whole time I'm just thinking like, oh my god, this is so gross. Um, Axe destroyed the rent by the hour's computer, which was like the only funny thing that happened. <laughs> we don't even know what he did. We just know he destroyed them somehow. Um, and yeah, then they go to, to the judge, which was really weird. Um, her name is fucking Sally Forensic. Yeah, I fuck? did love did that. Did you even try? <laughs> no, ah! no, they didn't try. There's nothing about Sally Forensic that says I am good at writing books. Oh my god! Like, I'm surprised they didn't call her something like Judy Judge or something like that. <laughs> Judy Judge, just the Judge Judy. <laughs> Oh. This one's different, though, because her last name is Judge instead of her position. Ha ha, get it? Yeah, it just felt so fucking condescending. Like, if you're consuming <laughs> media for very young children, naming somebody mm-hmm. Sally Forensic might be okay, because maybe the little kids won't know what that means, but the adults will be like, oh, I get it. But, like, this is not... Like, this isn't even a kid's book anymore. Like, like we've long established that it's like, holy shit, this is yeah. like a different level of kid's book. But, like, just don't, don't do that. It's, it read like, uh, if you're in your biology class in, like, high school and your teacher is being, like, cutesy, they're like, Sally Forensic extracted DNA from blah, blah, blah. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> like... You know, <laughs> it's it read like the dumbest shit ever. Yeah, yeah. Like this is this is in a book where there's a teen on a surfboard on the cover and no background. This is not an Animorphs book, okay? Yeah. Like, oh, God, don't patronize us. Yeah, don't don't fucking patronize me with Sally Forensic here, Judge Sally Forensic, and also the joke here. Was that she crawled under the desk and had to pull her robes like to her knees so she could run and like, that's funny. And then Axe cut her desk in into pieces, one for each one of her underpaid staff members, and that was like the the like beauty of this plan. Like what? What? I don't remember reading that, but I what even? It's legit. Like it. She goes. It was like a two sentence thing of like part of this desk was for each one of her underpaid staff and i think that that is the perfect like symbolism of what's going on here we don't we didn't hear anything about her staff why are they underpaid i don't know what like psa vendetta thing like yeah i i don't think judges are even paid that much my god here's the other thing i feel like in past books, when the Bandalites attack controllers, the controllers at least mm-hmm. attempt to fight back. But all yep. of these controllers are like, oh no! And hide under their fucking desks. And even if we get a controller that like runs and hides, there's always at least one that's like angry and spitting out the word Andalite yeah. as if it was a swear word. And like, yeah. Like, ah, uh, we go back to Vizzer, that little kid did it. Yeah, it made it made absolutely no sense that everyone was just freaking the fuck out. Nothing about this made sense. And and again, there was no fucking setup to this whole judge thing. Like all of a sudden, it turned into this like 
righteous thing, like fighting for the underpaid workers of the, the fucking government. And it's like, wait, what? Where did this even come from? Her mom's a lawyer. What the fuck? Oh, my God. And then just to like, I don't know, put the cherry on top of this shit Sunday that we're on. They fucking... Rachel's like, we got to attack this Yerk community center. And everybody's like, no, that's a shitty idea. And she's like, we got to find... It's the worst fucking idea of all time. And they're like, we have to find Taylor and pay her back for what she did to Tobias. And then she throws out this, like, he... I I had her once and, like, I let her go because Tobias asked me to to do it. I guess he's a better person than I am. I'm not going to do that again. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Like, it... Going back to that moment where Tobias, or where, yeah, where Tobias asked Rachel to let Taylor go, from the dialogue that we got in that book, she understood why Tobias asked that, Mm -hmm. and she was there to help him, and she was so concerned about him, and, like, verbally, she's kind of said that in this book, like, I am so concerned about him, and I'm so concerned about going back, and then in this moment, she starts saying that, and then goes... And I know it's going to be super traumatic and triggering for him to go back to the place of his torture and blah, blah, blah. But we got to do it anyways, because this is a big target and I just got to fuck him up. What the fuck? Uh, What the fuck? Yeah, she's like totally crazy. (laughs) But there's no fucking insane. There's no reason for her to be crazy. No, none at all. There's no reason that she's why she's broken like this. Yeah. And it just gets worse. Okay, so here's what happens next. Gets fucking dumber. So they split up to avoid detection. Tobias is sent alone ahead to the place of his worst torture and worst shit that happened to him to go scout it out. Which they all admit he can't scout out much because it's mostly indoors. So they just send him off alone to it. Okay. Rachel and Cassie are walking along down the street. Marco and Axe and Human Morph have gone some other way. And Rachel is like, I feel so good. I want to sing and dance. I want to jump on a light post and twirl around it like singing in the rain and blah, blah, blah. And there's like some guys walking down the streets in business suits and she jumps out at them and yells boo and then laughs as they like flinch. Oh my God. Stop it. Right? And like she talks about this whole error that the town has of like people looking over their shoulders and wondering when the next attack is and she's just like reveling in it like this is beautiful i've created this chaos and fuck yeah and cassie's basically like hey cool it and rachel just kind of blows her off like fuck off whatever um they see a newsreel playing on a tv in an electronics store because suddenly it's the 1970s i guess And she, like, drags Cassie over to the window. I know, right? Like, who does this in the 90s? No one. Um, She drags Cassie over, and Cassie's like, let's go, Rachel. Like, we have time to watch the news later. This is dumb. Why why are you, like... It it reads almost like she's wanting to, like, revisit the crime she's committed. Like, if we're going to go into a place of forensics right now... This is like the serial killer reliving the crime and, like, getting off on it later is what we're doing. That's the vibe we've got going on right now. <laughs> and Cassie finds it sickening, like, as as a normal person would. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, as this video is scrolling past, they do have some videos showing them tearing up the, the news studio. 
And then Rachel sees the copy under the video, one dead in attacks. And then, like, apparently the, like, whole ticker is like, the guy had a heart condition and he could have gone at any moment, but he died here because of a frightening thing. Because apparently this news studio isn't into, like, the real flashy, one dead in attack kind of headline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we cut to Cassie and Rachel landing at the community center with the other... Guys are all there, ready to go, and they're all birds, they're spaced apart, blah, blah, blah. And it just cuts to Cassie going, like, if you don't fucking tell them, I'm going to tell them. And Rachel just, like, very abruptly blurts out, hey, that old guy at the studio died. And everybody is like, what the fuck, Rachel? <laughs> like, what? What? And you're just going to blurt it out here? And, like, Marco's like, oh, that's great. That's fucking great. I'm glad we're doing this. This is such a good plan. And Rachel just kind of focuses entirely in on Tobias, who says nothing and won't look at her, and she gets pissed. And she just starts screaming. She's like, it isn't my fault. This guy could have gone any time. He had a heart condition. This isn't on us. If he got scared, we didn't mean to make him that scared. And Cassie's like, Rachel, no one is saying it's your fault. And she's like, well, it's what they aren't saying. And it's, like, just bullshit. And everybody's like, okay, listen. This has clearly gotten out of hand. You are not making the correct calls. You clearly are just pushing at this point because of some sort of pride thing. Let's not do this attack. We don't have the correct information. This isn't right. It doesn't feel right. Tobias can't see what's going on. We don't know if Visor 3 is in there. We don't know if the Horkbizer are in there. One guy's dead. Call this off. We're done. And Rachel goes, I'm the leader. We're doing this attack. We're doing it right now. And we're all doing it as polar bears. Uh, uh, awful. <laughs> yes. Fucking awful. I'm so upset. This is so upsetting. This is this is the worst fucking plan on all levels. Like you shouldn't attack the community center because it's like a fucking Yerk stronghold. Like everywhere else had like one, maybe two controllers. Like mm-hmm. this is just so idiotic. Yeah. And it, like, if this was a plan where they were attacking a Yerk outpost where they know there's not a really strong force and they're doing it for show, they're doing it to say, we're going to attack you, we're going to come out in the open, okay, that's a a measured risk. You know what you're going into, you know you have, like, some intelligence on it, you kind of know what's going to happen. This is, like... Let's run into the enemy stronghold and see what happens. Of course, the last time we attacked this base, Tobias almost died, and we almost all got killed going in there. And, you know, with all these fucking people, and we know that they have the gas that can freeze you and, like, knock you out and all this technology. Let's just fucking run in there. Okay. Like, what the fuck? (sighs) And... And all is polar bears. Like, yeah, that's why that's stupid. Like in the very beginning, she's like, "Let's make it look like there's a a ton of us." But you know, ninety nine percent of these places they've hit, they've all hit as the same andalites. And now she mm-hmm. wants to do the the thing again, where she pretends like there's a yeah. bunch of them. That's stupid. And one of the biggest arguments that, like, because everybody pushes back. They're like, we want our normal battle morphs. We know how to handle them best. I could have totally jumped on board with, 
we should be switching up our battle morphs so that it looks like we have more people. Yeah. Like, that would make sense. Yeah. Like, do your, like, secondary battle. Because Rachel has gone into battle as a polar bear before instead of a grizzly. Okay. Switch it up. Sure. But, like, this? What the fuck? And like you said, they've hit every other place in their normal battle morphs. Why? Why? Just why? Yeah. And Why? Ugh. Yeah. So You're stupid. fooling no one. You're fooling no one but yeah. yourself yeah. because you're being dumb. Yeah. And she also, th- the whole time that she is doubling down and saying, We're all going as polar bears, you have to do it, I'm the leader. She is in her own head going, I know this decision is absolutely right. I've made the best decision. I've made the best decisions all day. It's it's almost like Trump rhetoric it is. in her own head. <gasps> it is. Oh, I never thought we'd reach a point where we compared Rachel to Trump. <laughs> and I never want to say it again, oh but you know God. what? <laughs> oh. oh, oh, that hurts me. It's it's so bad. Like it's it's disgusting to say, <laughs> but like it's true. <laughs> it's it's true in this moment it's true and this is not the rachel that i like this is not the rachel i support this, this is, is the bullshit. worst rachel <laughs> this isn't even like i i'm gonna argue throughout this whole book she's so out of character yeah. and there's no reason for this like i i can buy a lot i can accept a lot i really can like i will i will try to meet the writers halfway and i understand that ghost writers aren't always gonna nail every moment because they are not applegate and that's fine i get that and i'm willing to meet you part way but give me a fucking reason to go there i'm not gonna jump off a cliff for you because you fucking just decided that this was how this book was gonna be no give me a reason Give me anything. Give me a rope bridge to meet you there. But don't fucking do this. And we've had good ghost writers. We've had excellent ghost We've writers. had great ghost writers. Yeah. And then we've had this one. Oy. Like, I... Like, I feel like we came down really harshly on Jeffrey in the extreme. <laughs> okay? And it wasn't great and also it was our first ghostwriter so we were coming off applegate we had really high demands and i feel like not that we've adjusted because we have had excellent ghostwriters and jeffrey's last book fucking chef's kiss amazing it it was fucking great i loved it and like this is just shit this is total shit (laughs) (laughs) like I don't know what happened here. Like, it was like, I don't know if this was just like they thought Applegate was going to do it and she totally ran out of time and this ghostwriter had like a single day to do it. Like, oh. I don't know what happened here. Yeah. But it, it it didn't work. Yeah. And why didn't they catch this in editing? Like, why didn't the editor read this and go, no, the first five chapters of this book can't be this <laughs> because this is terrible. Unacceptable. It was. And, like, at this point, this series has been going on long enough that we know Rachel. We know our team. We know our kids. And, like, none of them are like this. <laughs> oh, God. Like, 
maybe maybe some of them maybe marco marco's kind of similar yeah i could buy marco sure cassie no rachel absolutely not tobias no not really maybe no i don't know <laughs> probably not axe no sometimes he makes funny jokes but like i i mean i know you said that you liked him but i i feel like he's really tone deaf in well, this book okay so i i didn't really absorb a lot of the character stuff i think when i read through this book like after i read through it i kind of like felt something was off but i didn't really like dig into what that was but now just like reliving mm -hmm. it now i'm just kind of like oh yeah yeah everything's bad <laughs> it was probably because it was so short that you got done and you're like wait whoa that's it yeah, it was like, like blink of an eye i didn't even have time to form an opinion yeah, pretty much <laughs> yeah it's so short, which is honestly the best part about it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I really came into today's recording thinking like, don't be so abrasive. Try to like, try not to be so negative. But the more I talk to you about it, the more I fucking hate it. Oofa <laughs> <laughs> doofa. Oofa doofa, this is not good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's keep going. We're over halfway through. It's fine. <laughs> I feel like the screaming bird really adds to the overall, like, feeling I, of this podcast. At, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I feel like he's screaming whenever I'm I screaming, think, and maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> I think I've been noticing that he picks up when you get really intense. Yeah, he definitely ramps it oh, up. Oh, that's funny. And, oh my god. I don't even I don't even know where he is. I should probably check that out. Yeah, before we get into this next part, let's check out what the bird's Find doing. Let's bird. check in with our with our extreme teen in the back here. <laughs> our special guest. Our special guest, baby Gax. Ladies and Gax. gentlemen, baby Gax. All right, I checked in with the bird. He said it was not good. <laughs> Whew. I'm just going to keep him screaming in the background because I don't know what the fuck to do anymore. <laughs> yeah. Much like this book, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> so. <sighs> okay. I hate this. I hate this so much. And let me tell you why. And it's not because this part is particularly bad. It's that... I just hate that everybody's so fucking supportive. Yeah. So, Rachel demands they go to polar bears. They need to make a stand. They need to show their power. It's a show of force. It's a total thing. Whatever. The team is apprehensive, but they're all like, well, we did vote you in as our leader, so I guess we'll do it. And before they go in, Tobias is like, just remember, we're not here to kill. We're just here to scare people. And Rachel knows that that was meant exclusively for her and gets pissed. And then Mark goes, so passive-aggressive. Yeah. For no for reason. For no reason. For no reason. No reason at all. Marco goes, are you going to say it or should I? And Rachel goes, let's do it. And then roars loudly as a bear. <laughs> as a polar bear, specifically. Also, this morphing sequence was super fucking weird. She morphed a bear except for her head. Yeah. No need for that. Yeah. But here we are. They break in through a window as polar bears. 
okie dokie. And from minute one, it was an easy victory. They were smashing people's heads together like three stooges and kicking butts and blah, blah, blah. And then in the blink of an eye, they all start getting taken out. Because, of course, the fucking Garatron was here. Of course. Yep. Why wouldn't he be? Yep. This is the Yerk stronghold that you broke into with no information. <sighs> so, Marco was hit. And then Tobias, like, went to charge down the Garatron. But the Garatron dodged, and Tobias knocks himself out on a wall. Rachel, struck across the head, goes down. They basically were all neutralized within 10 seconds flat, something like that. Yep. And then the Garatron steps over to Visor 3, and they have another loud fucking thought speak show off moment where he's like i'll leave it in your hands now Vizzer, because i've taken out all of these idiots for you and then uh, he just like walks away super like nonchalant out of the room and rachel gathers everything she has left in herself to stand up only to find Vizzer three morphing some disgusting gray pile of fleshy monster that smelled like sewer and death mock 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 it was exactly like Mock. That's exactly what I pictured. A giant was like, monster. It's a Pokemon. You morphed a Pokemon. Okay. God. Actually, that's probably the best thing that's happened in this book, is that Muck made an appearance. Finally, a fucking sweet, beautiful creature that only wants to hug. I feel like I've gone crazy. <laughs> it's like everything has just gone wrong not just in this book like in our lives and brains this book ruined us this ruined us it truly did so rachel's like everybody else get the fuck out of here i'm gonna fight him to allow you time to escape And at this moment, she's like, oh, no, Polar Bear was the absolute wrong morph. I made a terrible mistake. And uh, this is about the time that they're also all overheated, exhausted, and can't breathe because they're all with many pounds of blubber and a full fur coat. And it's fucking, you know, probably 70 degrees and beautiful out. Yep. (sighs) Yeah. Rachel's like, well, I don't know if I can go on the defensive because I'm tired, so I'll go on the attack, and launches herself at this gray flesh monster, and, like, she lands in it, and it just kind of, like, starts sucking her in to, like, goop, and Visor 3, like, laughs, and he's like, this body isn't even slightly damaged by you. it is Muck. Like, this was the episode of Pokemon where Muck fought the Bellsprout, and it couldn't hit him. Yes. Yes. It's muck. This is muck. Welcome to Pokemon. We've done it. We've crossed the universes. Everything I ever loved as a child right here. Oh, now we have to come up with Pokemon teams for all the Animorphs. Ooh. Do you want to just never talk about the end of this book and just pick teams for the rest of this episode? Oh, I guess that could be another bonus episode. Ooh, okay. I'll say bonus episode only because at this point I feel like I'd really be cheating people out of the shitty ending if I just yeah, stopped. Yeah, we, we just gotta do it. Gotta do it. We just, we gotta power through. Much like when Ash Ketchum went to the town with the Magneton and had to get the electricity back on because the the Magneton were stealing all of it, we have to power the end of this episode using only the strength of our friendship. <laughs> Is that the one with the horny Magnemite? Yes. <laughs> 
like what a what another disparity like disparity in the episode of oh no all these pokemon are gonna die if we don't get the electricity back on oh this guy wants to fuck he wants to fuck my pikachu get out of here he he wants to fuck my sick pikachu (laughs) 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 oh my god fucking polar bears I don't even understand how a Pikachu can get sick from having too much electricity. (laughs) (laughs) I clearly don't want to talk about the rest of this. Okay. Speed run. Just doing it. Speed run. So she charges a stupid fleshy sewer monster. It picks her up like she's nothing, slams her into a wall, and Wizard 3 is like, ha ha ha, you are nothing to me. And also... What's really not mentioned other than a throwaway is all of the flesh that touched this creature was melted away like it's acidic or something. <laughs> like, she's missing a lot of her limbs and it's just like charred meat. Ew. Yeah, I know. It's so cool and gross. And yet that was just skimmed over. I, I honestly don't <sighs> remember reading that. I don't remember reading a lot of this. It You blocked it I out, did. probably. It's, it's a trauma to read this book. <laughs> So Rachel, like, scans the area. She's like, everybody's gone. Cool. So she bails. She makes it to the window, climbs on a dead hork to give her a boost up, and then, like, jumps out and runs out the fucking window. When she meets up to the rest of the team, they all look upset. And I guess, like, they're all morphed back to human, and they, like, they're all looking at her like, uh, the fuck? And she's like, where's Cassie? And then she realizes they left Cassie behind. Great. Kids are back in the barn. Rachel's crying. Yeah. She's fucking crying. She's fucking crying. She's crying her eyes out, and Marco is just berating her. Like, good fucking plan, dumbass. Look where we are. Look what you did. Now Cassie's gone. She's either going to be trapped as a furball forever, or, like, infested, or uh, killed, maybe. I don't know. It's all your fucking fault. And Axe at this point is like, Marco, stop. This is unproductive. But, like, you know, whatever. And then Rachel realizes that Tobias isn't saying anything, and Axe hasn't looked at her since they left, even though Axe kind of just defended her, at least asked Marco to stop. And she goes from horribly upset to racked with guilt to angry. (sighs) Here, for a moment of levity, is our next Parks and Rec moment, because... Rachel gets angry and she turns to Axe and she goes, Look at me! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that is the Craig moment that you mentioned. I love it. Yeah. She straight up yells, Look at me. She does. It was a straight up Craig moment for sure. (laughs) So Axe looks at her, but for whatever reason, that doesn't make her feel better. And Tobias just goes, well, we did vote for her to be the leader, so I guess we just keep going down this fucking shitty path that we've chosen for what ourselves, everybody. What the fuck is this defeatist motherfucking passive-aggressive shit, Tobias? I have no idea. Oh my god. Like, I just don't know what the fuck. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And then... uh, Cassie's gone. Rachel goes, I'm going to go back and get her by myself. 
And everybody's like, well, that's fucking stupid. And Rachel's like, well, Cassie did it before. And they're like, yeah, when we were all fucking sick and incapacitated. That was a different scenario. Don't go in by yourself. That's a suicide mission. Rachel's like, it doesn't matter. I quit. Marco, you can be the leader. Like you wanted. What the fuck? What the fuck? She, like, turns into this big temper tantrum brat. Yeah, and she's like, I can hear it. I can hear it when I say it, that I sound like I'm having a temper tantrum. Does this stop her? No. She doubles the fuck down. Like, why? 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 I'll bring up all the Flight of the Concords rap that I know to not continue talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) But why, actually? Okay, Anyways, Marco follows Rachel out of the barn because Rachel storms out of the barn like a stupid baby idiot. (laughs) Stupid baby idiot. (laughs) And he's like, Rachel, wait up. And she does. And she literally, she literally throws her head back, goes, ah, and slaps her hands on her thighs. Like, probably stomps a foot, too. It's fucking, it's just like, ah! Like, I get it. I know that frustration. But, like, you're such a stupid baby right now. Marco's just says no. Marco's just like, nope, nope. And Rachel's like, no what? Like, you got what you wanted. Blah, 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 blah. You got to be the leader. And Marco's like, nope. I do not accept you walking out. This is not, this is not okay. Jake has screwed up plenty, and he has never walked away. And Rachel's like, oh, goody for Jake. Great Jake. He'll be back in a day, and you can all have your great Jake back. Blah, blah, blah. Marco's like, no. No, you're the leader right now. One day, maybe I'll be the leader. But right now, this is on you. I could have been the leader back at the community center, where I could have planned and seen it from every angle and figured it out. But right now, we have... Less than, like, two hours. It was, like, one hour and ten minutes to go get Cassie before she's fucked any which way you see it. So right now, we need crazy and reckless butt-kicking insanity. I don't have time to plan this out. This is on you. Apparently, this very inspiring speech worked because Rachel just marched back into the barn with Marco and was like, Tobias, tell me everything you know about entrances to the Yerk Pool. And Rachel's like, I thought I saw Axe smile for a moment, which I don't get. Because if I were Axe, I'd be like, oh, this fucking crazy bitch is back? No, I don't think so. Goodbye. Goodbye. But Axe is a better person than me. And Tobias is a better person. And Marco's a better person. They're all better people than me. So they're all like, okay, we'll follow her. And Tobias is like, okay, there's maybe a new entrance going up. I'm not totally sure. It's this new building. And also, Tobias goes on for a very long time without anybody stopping him, which really threw me off. He, like, he keeps going, like, I don't know for sure. It might be. I don't know. It's a building. They're building it. But there's nothing in there, so it might be a York Pool entrance, but I'm not sure. <laughs> also, I saw a ship going into it, but I'm not sure. It was very far away. It was kind of foggy oh out. It wasn't the best God. sight. It's like, Tobias, shut the fuck up, dude! <laughs> like, I, I love you, Tobias, but, like, shorten it up. Get, just shorten it for me, please. Well, like, bullet it points. It doesn't make sense that he kept rambling on, because he's very concise when he needs to be. He is, and also, Rachel was like, tell me now, need the facts, let's go. So, like, it was set up as if, like, you know, she hears it, and then Tobias goes, it might not be, and she goes, that's fine, that's the plan, let's go do yeah. it. Instead, she's like, quick, tell me everything you know. And Tobias just rambles on, and they all just pause in their anger and like emotions and they're all like really keyed up right now like ready to go on this reckless mission to save their teammate 
And they all just pause their emotions to let Tobias just talk it out with himself for ten minutes? What what happened? What is this book? What happens? (laughs) (laughs) So, the kids go to an airport. Fucking A! What's happening? Who knows? Not me! They're gonna steal a plane. Whatever. Place is fenced in. There's a chain link fence. There's barbed wire at the top. Maybe an electric fence. Who the fuck knows? They climb it. No one cares. They're shepherds. They're shepherds ready to go. They throw themselves over the fence. They run towards the plane. The guard's got, like, German shepherds. He's like, hey, stop. But they keep running, so he lets the German shepherds loose. The kids just keep running. It's fine. They get to the stairs. Axe is being unsteady. Rachel pulls him into the plane and Axe starts thanking her because human legs are really unsteady. And Rachel's like, fine, can you fly the plane? Axe is like, sure. Marco's like, we're on a private plane. This is the best day ever. There's like TV, comfy seats, hot babes serving drinks. Where are the babes? Rachel's like, stop. (laughs) We can't take your misogynistic jokes right now. Uh, And then he's like, oh, by the way, there's a bunch of security guards outside with dogs and shit. So... That's happening. So Axe takes controls and starts taxiing. And in the most unnecessary yes. thing to ever happen yes. in an horse book. <laughs> the, no, no need to add this, but here we are. Axe is taxiing down the runway. It's already a high pressure situation because they don't know if Axe can fly the fucking plane. Like Axe is giving... A lot of shit to Marco, like, oh yeah, I guess I can't fly your primitive, stupid fucking flight machine. Ha ha ha, Marco. Then a deer runs out onto the runway. Axe swerves an entire fucking plane around it and then back onto the runway, as if it's like, I don't know, his mom's minivan <laughs> instead of a fucking plane. Ah. Oh. And then, like, Axe is like, Great. Like, so everybody's like, smooth move, Axe. You you saved the deer. Good job. Like, they all start celebrating this deer not dying. And then Axe is like, thanks. We are lacking sufficient speed to become airborne, but there's a small chance I can make it. And Rachel's like, all right, let's do it. So he pushes towards the end of the runway, pulls the nose up at the last fucking second, and, like, clears it barely. And everybody's like, whoo, that was a high-pressure situation. Listen. <laughs> Just taking off was a high-pressure situation. There was no need to throw the deer in there. Really? So dumb. God. I feel like my voice has never been this high-pitched for this long of a time. (laughs) So now we go to the part of our mission where we realize these books were written pre-9-11. Yes, I wrote the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Ugh. Just remember, this came out in 99, two years beforehand. Oh, my God. They fly this fucking plane up to 7,000 feet. I don't think that's enough, but whatever. Um, I also have no idea what 7,000 feet really, really means. That's like, what, two miles? How many feet are in a mile? Who cares? It's apparently high enough for this shenanigan. Rachel's like... I have to be the one to hold the controls. And everybody's like, what's this fucking plan? And Marco's like, this is insane. So they get there and Marco's like, I know I said we need an insane plan, but this is too insane. (laughs) But they're doing it anyways. So Axe tips the plane into a full 90 degree angle dive 
towards the building that Tobias has identified as possibly a Yerk pool entrance. He hands the controls to Rachel, who's holding on for dear life, then acts as like dragging his body across the floor of the aircraft towards the door because it is at 90 degrees and I don't know why he's dragging himself. I don't know where the, I figured he'd hit the back of the plane, but hey, what do I know? Nothing. I'm just an idiot. So he goes to the door. He opens the door. Didn't think that would be possible in flight, but again, what do I know? I'm just an idiot. <laughs> they start morphing birds. I I don't know why they wouldn't jump out and start morphing birds and morph birds in the plane. I don't know. They get sucked out as birds. Great. Rachel's holding on to the controls until the last possible second. And when the roof of that building is filling the entire front window of that plane, she starts morphing into Eagle, jumps back, kind of ping pong balls or like, you know, table. What's the pinball table? Pinballs between all the chairs. There we go. And uh, ends up getting, like, kind of sucked out the door. She's morphing. She's, like, just tumbling through the air. She's morphing to Eagle, but the plane then hits the top of the building and just explodes. And this would have been a great time to mention that she got a really sweet updraft and was able to, like, get some extra morphing time. That doesn't happen. We don't give a shit about morphing time anymore. She's just going to go to Eagle while following a burning, fiery wreckage of a plane crashing through god knows how many floors of this building i certainly don't know she would have been like burned alive oh absolutely she's a thousand percent dead in this scenario but what do i know i'm just an idiot person (laughs) i know nothing apparently apparently this plant's great oh god this was at least exciting yeah so she's following through this building following this plane everything's on fire she does like she's maybe screaming out loud maybe screaming in her head she takes a moment to make note that oh yeah these this building is completely empty that's great no idea if she made it to her eagle morph in time she follows this plane that's burning down into the yerk pool it landed right in the actual pool and there's like a quick mention of who knows how many yerks we just killed this is a major fucking yeah like massacre yeah. that was just kind like, of brushed burning off. jet yeah. fuel yeah like you not only like crushed a bunch of them you like poisoned a bunch more like and it's probably on fire yeah. like and a whole building just collapsed into the pool not just the plane yeah. there's like there's so much there's so much destruction like she she literally could have wiped out, like, a whole 10th, 20th, 30th of the Yerk population yeah. here. Like, she could have done so much damage, and yet they just don't mention it. They're like, oh, yeah, burning pieces in the Yerk pool. Great, whatever. It's chaos. Ha, ha, ha. Rachel kills her speed to just stay aloft above this burning wreckage of a Yerk America. pool. And she it basically... <laughs> It kind of is like everything's on fire from the wreckage. (laughs) The flavor is gone. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. So like Rachel spots Cassie. She's like manacled up to herself and guarded by three hork One of them has a blade at Cassie's throat and. She's like, Cassie, I'm here. And Cassie's like, everything's on fire and everything's gone to shit. Of course you're here. Who else would it be? <laughs> Honestly, not not very much like Cassie's character, but truly the only voice of reason oh in this moment. Oh my god, right? <laughs> Ugh. 
Oof. Oof, oof, oof. So, Cassie does this cool maneuver. She starts demorphing her feet so she can take the chains off and get free. I don't even know what's happening. Any- and this is the part where, like, this was a really, like, fast-paced, kind of a fun ending. But there's so little detail that it, it's really hard to get a sense of what's happening. Yeah. So, like, in this instance, there was a hork that was had a blade at her throat. But we don't know that there's a hork with a blade at Cassie's throat until Rachel hits him and confuses him. And that allows Cassie to, like, kind of jump like she's freed herself at this point so she kind of jumps into the fray and they take out the other guards i think rachel took out a second one as an eagle i don't really know cassie's like rachel get out of here i'll fight my way out and rachel's like no you can't you have like less than 10 minutes and morph so no um more hork come by and then a booming thought speak voice screams halt and everybody freezes and then visitor three is like Inspector, we've captured some bandalites for you. Which, they're all free, so he had captured one. Now he's captured none. Yeah. So Visor 3 walks in with the Garatron, who's like, don't call me Inspector, call me Chancellor or whatever. Counselor, there we go. Sorry, my Star Wars boots <laughs> are showing. The Chancellor. The Chancellor. Like, call me the, the fucking Counselor. And uh, Visitor 3 is like, and why don't you take out these Andalite bandits while you're here? And the Garatron's like, this is no challenge to me. Your challenge is dumb. This is easy. And Visitor 3 is like, oh, if it's so easy, then why are you declining my challenge? It's a match that they're having. (laughs) Yes, precisely. And it's dumb. And I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So they're doing their thing. And also, Visor 3 says uh, that if the Garatron goes in and, and fights them and kills them all, he will be so grateful that Visor 3 will just resign right away. Like, he's just like, I'll, I'll take myself out. It's great. So Garatron's like, this opportunity cannot be missed. Let's have him resign. So he starts doing his thing where he runs on water. And Rachel's like, oh, my God, he can run on water. Why is this surprising? He can move at the speed of light. Like... He he is the Jesus. He's the only God and Savior I will subscribe to. <laughs> I mean, if I am going to choose someone in this book to worship, it might as well be Garatron, because nobody else is doing it for me. Wow. So he's hitting Cassie, who can't do anything to stop him, because she's still a fucking polar bear, which is dumb and stupid. And Rachel's like, I, I have to gain altitude. She fights for the altitude every inch. It's dramatic. Who cares? Cassie's getting her ass kicked. Apparently the Garatron's tail now somehow does some damage. He uses it like a whip or something. He used tail whip. It's super effective. Oh my god, this is Pokemon! It this is. book is Pokemon! It is! Why didn't we enjoy it more if it was Pokemon? Well, I, I am en- I'm enjoying it more now that you're bringing it up to me. Hooray! I helped. Uh, Rachel dives at the Garatron as an eagle, somehow makes contact, manages to hurt him, but it sent her tumbling to the ground. She wrenched her back and... Everything's gone to shit, and then she hears Tobias's red-tailed hawk scream. And I guess in any other book, this would be a moment of elation and excitement and swelling love for Tobias, who's risked everything to once again save the girl that he loves. But instead, it's just like, oh yeah, he fucking showed up because nobody's right in this book. Yep. So Tobias flaps in, 
Axe is in his Harrier Morph, Marco is a Cobra in Axe's Talons, and Visor 3 just starts monologuing. Here are more Bandalites, everything's great. He's gonna resign. Tobias dive bombs the Garatron, who just steps out of the way before Tobias can make contact. And they drop Marco next to him. And, like, the this fucking counselor guy, he just looks at Marco and he's like, well, that's nothing. And then turns his attention back to the birds. <laughs> um... There's a lot of crawling Marco has to do, which I don't understand, because I thought he was right next to him, but then I guess the Garatron moved towards some Horkbizure that were, like, coming out to maybe attack this guy, but we don't know if he's out there to attack the Garatron or if they're out there to attack Cassie. Very unclear. And I think part of that was supposed to be story building, but it really just creates a very muddy narrative that makes no sense. Don't know where the guy is. Um, Axe somehow has landed in his demorphing. Uh, he gets into a tail blade fight with the Garatron, but misses all the time. Like, he can't land a blow. Marco is like, Axe, keep him busy, and slinks over. And finally, Marco's within range and strikes. And the only thing faster than this thing is the Cobra Strike, which, somehow again, makes no sense. Um... Marco pumps him full of venom before getting tossed aside, and Cassie's like, oh no, what if venom doesn't affect him? But it it does, because I'm assuming his pulse has to be, like, insanely fast and just pumps the venom through his body in probably, like, ten seconds flat. Because he immediately starts slowing down, stumbling, his legs are getting tangled up, and he's like, in my mind, what happened is he went from doing that first, like, oh, it was a three, blah, 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 blah like, really fast talking to, like, what's happening as he, like, falls towards the ground. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that's what I imagine. Um, and all the Horkbizure that have come out and encircled them, like, freeze. They're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. This has gone weird. And Rage is like, Cassie, get into the Yerk pool, demorph, remorph to a seagull or something, and let's get out of here. I am sorry. Get into the jet engine fuel pit behind you that's on fire? I am sorry. What? Hi. Hi, Rachel. Let's check in. It's on fire. There's jet engine fuel. You know that's bad, right? You know you can't touch it, right? Maybe... Maybe the author forgot that it was on fire. That you can't touch jet engine fuel? Yeah. It's it's not on fire anymore. Okay, so let's say that's all hunky-dory. There's yurks in there! Yeah. There's so many reasons to not jump in the pool, but Cassie just jumps on in and starts demorphing. Who gives a shit? Also, the only one paying attention to them right now is Vizzer 3. He's looking at all of them. Everybody else is distracted. Their greatest fucking enemy is watching their every move. (sighs) Luckily, he's too busy fucking monologuing to take note. So he's like, oh no, they're getting away. Garatron, you better stop them. Oh, Counselor, you better stop them. Oh no. And then then (laughs) it's like, it's clear he's dying. And he's like, oh, I'll give the Council of Thirteen my condolences. I'm so sorry you had to die. What a bummer. The Animorphs take this moment to get out of there. But the Yurk could leave the head? So many things could happen. Casey, (sighs) so many things. There's... Casey. Yeah. So, so many things. Yeah. So many things could have happened. But this Uh. this is what they wrote. This is what... 
they sat down and said, well, this is acceptable work. What have you done to our children? I don't know. Do you want to do the ending? Because we're in the last chapter. I don't even fucking remember the ending. Oh, well, let me tell you, because it's goddamn delightful. (laughs) So they get out of there. They're just out. It's fine. They're at home. Whatever. Rachel wanted to go to the funeral of the guy that died. Remember him? The guy that died? The old guy? Yeah. Um, On a news report, his literal daughter said to the news, he could have gone at any time. So they weren't that sad. Which they call out in the book. Yeah, they weren't that sad. He had a heart condition. Could have died any time. Rachel's like, I wish I could have gone to the funeral, but they flew him across the country back to whatever his town was. Says it in an accusatory tone. There's no fucking emotional stakes in this bullshit. Nothing. But it, it gets weirder. She gets the phone number of the kid that was in the studio the day he watched his grandpa die, the grandson, calls the house, the mom answers, and she's like, listen, I was in the studio when the grandpa died. It really affected me. I want to talk to your kid. The mom says, yeah, come (laughs) on over. No. Gives this fucking creep their address. Rachel goes over there and talk to him. And Rachel says, the mom watched us the whole time while we were talking, like, you know, ready to step in at any moment to get him away from the crazy lady. Uh, Yeah, fucking right she did. Because absolutely she should be doing that. Yeah. Rachel's like, I'm really sorry, kid. And the kid's like, sorry for what? Grandpa had a heart condition. He could have gone at any time. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) Kid did not care. She's like, the kid seemed fine. Like, literally, his grandpa just died. And she's like, didn't seem to affect him that much. This is so stupid. It gets worse. It's so stupid. It gets worse. The kid's like, what are you sorry for? She's like, just sorry. Bye. Gotta go. She bolts out of the house right into Jake, who's waiting for her outside of the house. What the fuck? Yeah. And then probably the only important moment of this book happens in about now is he's like, she's like, oh, I see so you, you heard what happened, huh? And Jake's like, well, I got home last night and I saw on the news that there was a lot of animal attacks and then a plane crash. And I thought, mm, I might know who's involved. So I called Cassie, heard a story from her, called Marco, got a little bit more of the story they both said there's something that you might want to tell me. And Rachel's like, yeah, man, I, I fucked up. And then Jake just 180. How many animals were there when you started? Six. How many are there now? Yeah, still six. I didn't get anybody killed. And Jake's like, well, then you did fucking great. And it gets worse. It gets worse. He's like... Sometimes getting everybody out alive is all you can do. And Rachel's like, well, Vizard 3 is still alive. And Jake laughs. He goes, yeah, he's kind of a hard dude to kill, but doesn't mean we won't keep trying. This is like the only fucking redeemable one second of this book. Rachel asks Jake, like, how do you deal with this responsibility? How do you deal with all the stress? And for just a second, Rachel sees this look on his face like... He's a little kid that's, like, terrified and is about to start crying. And she goes, I recognize that. That's my face when I had to make these decisions. That that was my look when I realized Cassie was left behind. And then the mask comes back down, and it's just Jake again. And he just goes, well, I try not to think about it. And Rachel goes, ha ha, one last thing. Don't ever, ever leave town again. And that's the end of this fucking book. Mm. 
all noises. It did sound a lot like in Free Willy when he's getting transported and he's really upset and he does that like high like pitch undulating like like that one. <laughs> so so anyways, we could talk about Free Willy now since we brought that up instead of this <laughs> but we talked fucking about book. In the last episode. Oh yeah. Oh oh. Update on the those orcas. They have been um, tracking a few, and there's a couple that are still moving around in in the right territories. They haven't observed them eating yet, but the one named Alexandra actually has been observed doing her natural things in the natural areas and hunting and successfully getting food and eating. So. At least one of the orcas is doing well. Hooray, that's great. That is great. Unlike this book, which was a pile of shit. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't great. No. It, it, oh, great. Worst book we've read so far? I think so. By a mile. By a fucking country mile. My only other book that I really kind of actively disliked, and it was also because I felt like a lot of the characters were out of character, was The Extreme. Yeah. But this, like, absolutely went below it by a very long shot. Yeah. The Extreme was not so bad in comparison to this. No, and, like, The Extreme wasn't great, and we didn't feel like the characters matched up, and we had some problems with it, but, like... There was some good shit in there. Like there was some good shit in there. I loved. I forgot his name, but I loved the NPC character. Oh, and Stoner Steve or whatever. Stoner Steve. I can't remember <laughs> had, his name. He had like a canoe, and and he was friends with the bear. I don't yeah, know. exactly. That guy. He was awesome. He and was the great. Fucking massacre of the fucking shark dudes was great. The street sharks. Yeah. Yeah. Like the street- there was some good shit in there. There was. There absolutely was. And even the characters were like, well, they're out of character. And we're like, oh, no, they said, like, two things wrong. This book was like, well, we've never met these children before. It's like <laughs> you took them out of character and then you made an entire sort of plot around it that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it's this is like when you're watching, like, a TV show where you know people really well and there's a team of people. And then all of a sudden they meet, like, their doppelganger gang, but everything is just slightly <laughs> off. <laughs> Like, we follow the doppelgangers in this book. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize how bad it was until we went over it again. Yeah, I I really, I kept telling myself, I'm like, don't be a dick. Like, just try to, like, accept it. Try to be okay with it. And then, like, I just can't. Like, I, I just feel really passionately about these characters. And I yeah. have for a very long time. And when... Like, as I said, I can accept ghostwriters. I can accept a lot of shit. But do it fucking justice. Don't do this level of shit that you just posted here. Like, what the fuck? I'm wondering if the point you brought up about having, like, a really intense time crunch is is the reason. I'm hoping it is. I would be willing to be much more forgiving if it were the reason. It kind Mm -hmm. of feels like it was done in a hurry. (laughs) Yeah. 128 uh, pages close enough <laughs> send yeah, it to print just, be- just because it's so short and because yeah. it's got a lot of like really weird plot holes and and it's not it feels like a first draft to me um but yes yeah not not super great no and she doesn't come back because i would 100 percent be willing to give her another shot 
because especially after Jeffrey redeemed himself so amazingly, like a Chilean yeah. miner rising from the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be willing to give her another shot, but uh, I don't see her in the list for ever again, which, you know, maybe isn't a bad thing. <sighs> so anyways, I'm upset. Yep. This I... book, spoilers, will be my least favorite book in the next run that we do. <laughs> okay. It's like, on the upside, this book could, you could technically consider it to be not canon, since it felt like it was just kind of a one-off adventure. Sure. Like, it, it there's nothing major that happens in the, the overall plot area. Right. So, just pretend it didn't happen. Maybe. I, um, okay. I, the merits of this book let me um spin and see what i can do to put a band-aid on this steaming festering boil that's about to explode so i think that it was a really interesting concept to explore what if rachel was the leader of the animorphs because with marco it would have been a slow burn, really subtle book. And I love the idea that if Rachel had the chance to take over, she would lead this series of guerrilla attacks to make it... Ha, guerrilla attacks. To, <laughs> to make it, like, seem like there was a huge force. And, and like, this plan is pretty good. Like, it, it's not bad at all. The problem is this book is a character-driven series. Our whole thing is, what do we love about these characters? What do we think about their interactions? How are they growing? How are they developing in this war? And that is what keeps bringing us back to this series. Even, like, when you're when I've been talking to people about, you know, stuff everywhere, it's the conversation always seems to be, like, what about the character in this situation? What about the character in this situation? Like, we, I would argue, most of the fan base that's still here, still loving these books, is here because they love these kids. Mm -hmm. So despite the fact that the plot itself isn't bad, we've seen much more ridiculous plots and we've accepted it and we've enjoyed it. Like mm -hmm. a planet full of goddamn what's-her-face, Fran Drescher aliens. We're like, haha, yeah, this is an actual decent, like really interesting plot. But yeah. the characters are done so poorly yeah. that it's just broken it. And... I would love to sit down and have a discussion about Rachel as a leader and how she handled it mm -hmm. and where she broke. And I think that that's a really worthwhile conversation to have. Yeah. So that's my yeah. rant about this book. The The plot, um, I had like one prediction about the plot. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the fact that it was kind of a series of attacks. Um, mm -hmm. I thought maybe somebody would have caught wise that that's not how the bandalites usually act and then yeah. they would have somehow like you know and then that would have tied back into like oh rachel's the leader now but she's not acting like how jake would have acted and that's what made, got them caught or something i don't know like it, it had promise but yeah the, the, it just ultimately didn't work yeah it i mean it had promise is a great way to put it because in the hands of a of a better steward of the series or with more time whatever <laughs> i god i hope it was a time crunch thing but like in the hands of someone who could have really played this out this would have been 
one of those hard-hitting books that we would have had a lot of references back to throughout the series, and it could have created long-lasting tensions that we would see playing out over time between Jake and Rachel, with Rachel having been temporary leader and maybe wanting to assert some of that when she thinks Jake isn't making the perfect call, or like Marco, you know, kind of falling back into like a submissive role to Rachel because he did defer to her and maybe acts having some loyalty confusion or at least like you know he's completely loyal to to Jake then and doubles down on that whenever anybody kind of starts deferring to Rachel like there could have been so many cool things that came out of this book Mm -hmm. and then there was nothing and I the ending could have been such a perfect note of Jake being disappointed in her, but letting the crushing weight of leadership teach her the lesson that she can't pull this shit with him. And I feel like that's what they were supposed to do at the end. Like that's what we were supposed to feel, but it, it doesn't play out that way. Yeah. Like it should have been like the family of the guy that died was devastated Mm -hmm. and she felt the weight of that responsibility. And Jake would have come down harder on her and said, like, you will never be the leader again or something. Yeah, something like that. Or or even if he hadn't have said that, but, like, when she was going through this whole, like, how do you do it kind of a thing, he could even say, so you want to take on leadership responsibilities? And she could have been the one that said, I can't handle this. I don't know how you handle it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, she would have learned a lesson yeah. Like, I feel like she didn't learn a lesson. I mean, she kind of did, I guess, but we don't really feel it through. Yeah. No. Like, she's not remorseful. And I think getting Cassie captured is a really nice callback to when Jake was just starting out as leader and Tobias got captured on that first mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, not captured, yep. but, like, you know, trapped, well, basically. Left I, behind. That yeah. could have been a really, really nice comparison. But in thinking back to that scene, I don't know how that happened. Like, Rachel was, you know, like, kind of sort of dying. Yeah. And she looked around, she checked to make sure everyone was gone, and then left. If she had made a mistake and, like, not checked and just, like, bailed out of there, then I think it would have been more impactful because it would have been a reminder, like, oh, always check your people. Right. But the fact that she did check her people, but Cassie was still gone... And yeah. apparently nobody else saw her get taken. Just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Well, that okay, so that's the other thing. The rest of the team was already staring at her like like they knew what happened when she yeah. got back. Yeah, that so was weird. Why did no one call it out? Yeah. That was, you're right though. That would have been such an amazing moment because the like after that book, after the very first book, the next like six, seven books, Jake was always like check your people, don't leave your people, don't leave, you know, don't leave anyone behind. So to have Rachel make that same mistake on the first one, that could have been a really good segue in that ending chapter where they had, like, that heart-to-heart over it. And that was, like, oh, my God. See, that, oh, this could have been such a good book. Yeah. I, like, I love the ideas that were presented in this book so much. Yeah. But I'm also very... It was so uncomfortable and inappropriate, the the scenes where they did the whole, like, chopping off the trainer's shorts and then, like, photocopying the guy's butt and stuff. It's like, 
yeah, we're in here for the childish humor, but that's, like, crossing a line that we do not cross with Animorphs. Like, yeah, that's not right. Yeah, and it just, it got to be way too much. Mm-hmm. Like, you've already had, like, five chapters of goofs. Mm-hmm. And then you put this, like, really mean, gross shit on top of it. There's no reason to... It- it, it it was another one of those moments where it felt very condescending. It's like, oh, kids like this, right? And it's like, no, I'm sorry. We just watched one of our very good friends and children that we love be tortured, like, you know, five books ago. Can you not photocopy a butt? Thank you. Yeah. God, what a weird sentence that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I do know. I do know that I do not enjoy this book. And I adore Rachel, and nothing can ever take Rachel away from me because I refuse to accept that this was a version of Rachel. And I'll accept aggression, and I'll accept snapping at people under times of duress and when you're getting stressed. And I could see her being really mean like this at the end of the leadership role, But the fact that it came out of nowhere, it started immediately, and there was also that weird dialogue in her head that she had going on the whole time, those weird speeches, it was just not her at all. Yeah. (sighs) Well, shall we rate the characters? Yeah, sure. What did you think of Jake in all two sentences he was here? Oh, fuck. Uh. I, like, don't even want to rate characters, because they all sucked. Yeah, they did all suck. They all get twos and ones. I was gonna give, like, Jake a three, because he really wasn't in this book, and then when he was, he had that, like, one moment of, like, horror. Like, the one redeeming moment that I thought was in this book. He had it. I guess. Okay. So he gets a three. A middling, pitiful, safe three. Mm. (laughs) Rachel. No. No. Just, she gets a no. That's my rating, no. (laughs) I'm down to rate her no. Yeah. I will agree and second your no. I'm going to put that in the spreadsheet that we have. (laughs) Just Good. Put it in the spreadsheet, no. Much like Marco, I stamp out after this Rachel and just say no. Yep. Okay. What do we think about Tobias? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) also no he wasn't that bad he was just very passive aggressive and bitchy and weird and i hated it yeah and i like god i agree and i also hate that he got beat up on because fucking why yeah god i don't know two and a half two Okay, I'm giving him the half because guilt. It's a guilt half. Uh, what about Axe? He he offended me the least, I think, of a lot of the characters. <laughs> like him and Marco offended me the least. I'm the least Marco, affronted. Marco usually offends me the most. <laughs> yeah, so, hey. Yeah, bad jokes. Okay. Turn I, it on his head. I will give Axe a... Yeah, I'll give him a four, because I love him. I'm giving him a three, because God, fuck. I don't know. Just didn't didn't enjoy it. Oh. Didn't enjoy this book, so 
X gets a three. X probably gets the highest rating from me. Uh, yeah. Marco. He did fly that plane pretty good. Marco seemed to be the most in character, though, to be fair. Yeah. I would agree with that, that Marco is probably the only one that I would not have immediately pegged as being weird. Is Marco... Do you think Marco's probably one of the easier characters to write? <laughs> I mean... Maybe. He's supposed to be, like, the character version of Applegate's husband, Michael Grant. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I feel like maybe if you knew him and, like, kind of knew how he was, it would be easier to be like, oh, Marco would do this, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I don't know. Maybe. I feel... Okay. Here's what I think. If I were a ghostwriter, I feel like Marco would be easier to write in any other character's books but his own. Because in his own book, he is Mm. so complex. Yeah. That's true. So That is true. That's right. Because you can do that whole, like... Oh, he's planning point A to B, and like so, he's able to jump to that conclusion. And you don't have to explain how. Yeah, so, like yeah, that's true. on on the surface, usually if he's not a major player in the book, he's like funny, analytical, and oh my god, this is insane! Like that's yeah. pretty much the three facets that he shows when he's not a major player ca- player character in another character's book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe he would be, and maybe Jake in other books too, since he's kind of like mysterious and quiet yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But of course, we can't say anything about Jake because he wasn't in this book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. What do we think about Cassie? Um, she had some good lines. I don't know. Three. She wasn't. Yeah. Eh. She wasn't like even in this book enough. Even though she had a few good lines, it, like, wasn't even enough to, like, establish her as a character in my mind. Yeah. Three for me. Yeah, I'll give her a three as well. Okay. And then Marco. I'll give Marco a four. I'll give Marco a four as well. <sighs> well, we did it. Yay. Huzzah. This yeah. book is over. Uh, and Any thoughts that we <laughs> missed? Nope. Just okay. Just <laughs> bring me a moment of joy. Tell me about your comic book, please. Oh wait, aren't we gonna do the thing? We will skip to it after because I'm I'm out of order and I just need something to look forward to okay. and I just want it to be your comic. If you want to read something that I think has better writing than this book, you can check it out does. my comic that I write and draw. It is called Beside You. You can check it out at b s i d e y o u comic dot com. Please go read it. Please, please go read it. It's so much better than this book. <laughs> okay, thank you. I needed that that moment of joy so that I could finally tell the people that if they want to email me, please do so at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to us on Facebook, it's facebook.com, and you can search for our main group at Animorphs Anonymous or go to our super secret, super awesome group, which is facebook.com slash group slash Anonymous. Or you can find this on InstaSlam where you can see all the shitty images I make. And that is at Animorphs Anonymous. Or you can tweet at us at Animorphs Anon. If you want to find a podcast and another site. I don't know why I sang that. Uh- <laughs> I love it. This is, I think this is two weeks in a row that you've started to sing it. And I'm really into it. Okay, I'll switch it up every time. Um, Perfect. We are on Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Spotify, iTunes, maybe? 
Still? Yeah, we're still on iTunes. All right. I don't know when iTunes is dying. It's supposed to be I don't dying. know. Leave us a review so that we can enjoy iTunes burning down with at least more stars. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> That's it. Uh, that's it. Let's uh, let's go ahead and um, leave here like as quickly and abruptly as Rachel left the house of the small child she decided to harass over his dead grandpa. I thought you were going to say like as fast as a cheetah or something, but that's much better. <laughs> oh, I sorry, that would have been better actually. No. But nope, here we are. As fast as Rachel blew out of that dead grandpa child house. <laughs> dead grandpa child house. <laughs> New band name, I call it. Okay, it's all yours. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye.